This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. It's the Grasso Show, 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. At Dan Grasso, by the way, you get me on Twitter, G-R-A-C-A. Mets and Bravo scoreless in the third. Rays with a 3-0 lead on the Bombers in the fourth. Nestor Cortez serving up a three-run jack to Randy Arozarena in the first inning. We'll keep you up to date on them. But we're talking about the football, talking a little NFL. And just, just again, finish up on, you know, the discussion we were having there to close out the hour about the quarterback situation with the Jets and, and, and Zach Wilson specifically and, you know, the comments that Chris made, for example. Like, how many elite quarterbacks really are there in the NFL? How many are there? In all honesty. Because I think that that term sometimes gets lost in translation a little bit. Just like the term franchise quarterback. Like, I don't – we just use that as part of our football vernacular, franchise quarterback. Well, what is a franchise quarterback, right? How many of them really are there in the NFL? Is it somebody that you hope is going to develop into a franchise quarterback? Or has he already gone out there and proven to be one? Just because you draft the guy, let's say, second overall – and you hope that in two, three years he develops at the rate that you plan and that he is your franchise quarterback. That's not fair. Right now, you look around the league, you got maybe, I would say, like four or five of those guys. That's it. That's really and truly it. And I think that there is a steep, steep drop-off after that. And if you do have one on your team, you hold on to them for dear life. You know, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, of course, Tom Brady, I think that's it, if you ask me. All right, Russell Wilson, we'll throw him in there. That's it. And I think that after those five guys, there is a drop-off with the rest of the National Football League. Joe Burrow, I think the world is Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow took the Bengals to the Super Bowl last year. Can he play his third season first before I sit there and anoint him as the second coming? Right, And I love Joe. He has a lot of Brady elements to him. Seems like a guy who can do more with less, unrattled, unnerved, right? That's what you want in a quarterback. But I need to see more, and I need to see it from guys who have done it. That's why this is a slippery slope, and everybody and every organization goes out there and sells out to try to do anything they can to get their hands on that guy. But sometimes it doesn't always work out, now does it? Right? I mean, people are looking ahead to the draft next year. I've seen the over-unders right now for the first-round quarterback class. It's somewhere about six and a half. But that could change. Like, can we play a college football season first? I know that they've been scouting these guys since they were in, like, the seventh grade playing peewee football. But you got to go play because, you know, we spend so much time talking about Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson, before his last year at BYU, did anybody in the world have him as a first-round pick? Anybody? Did anybody have... Kyler Murray as the first overall pick in the draft before his last season at Oklahoma when he won a Heisman Trophy? The answer is no. You know why? Because he was going to go play baseball professionally. He was a first-round draft choice of the Oakland A's. Same thing with Baker Mayfield. Before that, Baker Mayfield's draft status skyrocketed his last year at Oklahoma when he won a Heisman Trophy. You got to let these guys go play. Everybody or, you know, so many of the guys that maybe all the experts have ticketed in the first round or going in the first round next year. What if they go out there and have a horrible season? Before this past year, 
in college football, Sam Howell of North Carolina was thought to be the best quarterback going into the draft this year in college football. Sam Howell had a disappointing season for North Carolina. Sam Howell fell in the draft, and he ended up going to Washington. Looked pretty good in the preseason game last week, but still. You know, things can change. And that leads us back to Zach Wilson here, who had his surgery. And probably everything happened as good as it possibly could. Dr. Neil Elitrash out there in Los Angeles. You know, we were talking about it today, actually, out at Jet Camp. Like, you wonder, because, like, he goes out there. Becton goes out there to meet with him as well to get the knee surgery. Um, Walker Bueller, the pitcher for the Dodgers, who's going to have elbow surgery and be out for the year, he's also going out there to get taken care of by Dr. Elitrash. What do these guys, like, get per surgery? I'm talking about, like, the doctors, the surgeons. That is a nice gig, man. If, if you can get that job, I mean, they must be cleaning up at the end of the day. With money. Cleaning up. Can you imagine? Like, I wonder, is it like a per-customer thing, like a per-patient thing? And I know that insurance, of course, is heavily involved. But how much do you think they clear with each surgery? Like a high-priced surgeon like that who is an expert, the peak of his field, that everybody flocks from all corners of the globe to go see. That is a nice life. So Zach Wilson, they didn't find anything more detrimental. Bone is in good shape. Meniscus is in good shape. And we're thinking maybe two to four weeks. You know, I've seen some reports maybe closer to that four-week range, but you never know. You never know how the healing is going to be. And I alluded to it a little bit last night. If you're the Jets, what's the goal here? Is the goal to have a good season? Is the goal for Zach Wilson to take that next step and to further develop as a guy who was the number two overall pick in the draft? I would think that's the goal, right? Or is it just make sure he's ready for week one because you want to beat the Baltimore Ravens? I think it's the former. You got to think big picture here. It's about the marathon, not the sprint. Who cares if Zach Wilson isn't ready to go week one? Who cares if Zach Wilson isn't ready to go week two? I got to be honest with you. If I'm the Jets, and again, I'm not involved in the training staff, the coaching staff, anything like that, I would err on the side of caution, given the fact that this player, for better or for worse, is now in his second year in the National Football League, and each season so far is going to be compromised at least slightly because of an injury to the same knee. Wait until he is 100%. Kind of sort of what they did last year when he missed that time in the middle of the season. You know, there was reports that maybe he was good to go and he was, you know, we would be at the games, you know, doing the broadcast and pregame and whatnot. I'd see him out there working up a sweat and, you know, moving around pretty good, you know, getting some pregame work in, throwing to receivers, getting the workout in, going through the drills. But he still wasn't ready to play because they were being careful. So he wouldn't have a recurrence. Why don't you do the same thing? You know, he had the surgery today on August the 16th. A month from today, that's in between game one and game two. You got Baltimore in game one. That's going to be a tough opponent, regardless of who the quarterback is going to be. Then you're going to Cleveland in week number two, and you're going to be likely facing Jacoby Brissett. It's not the gauntlet necessarily you would think it would be. You mean to tell me Joe Flacco? 
at the very least, if he's got to play two games, can't go one and one. Can't go one and one. I think it's certainly possible. And then you get Zach back 100% and then let this thing ride. Because for this team to hit the ceiling that they think that they could reach this year, whatever number that may be, I tried asking Joe Douglas a couple weeks ago. I said, you don't got to tell me, but do you got a number in your head of how many wins you think are acceptable? Yeah, he didn't want to go there. But I'm sure they have an idea. There's probably like a, a benchmark that they would like to hit. For them to hit that benchmark, Zach Wilson's got to be the quarterback. That's how this whole team was put together. The whole vision, right, with the smart boards and the, the, the post-it notes and when they outline everything that they want to have happen this year from the beginning of the offseason, free agency, draft, OTAs, minicamp, it was about him being the pilot of the ship. And if he's not healthy and if he's not 100%, then it's going to be all for naught because Joe Flacco – He's a capable backup. He's a capable quarterback. You could do a lot worse, right? You could do a lot worse than having him start a couple of games for you. But are the Jets going to get where they want to go if he's got to play all 17? Probably not. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Let's say hi to Iron Staten Island. He's up next here on 9870 ESPN. Ira, how are you? Hey, good to hear you again, Dan. I'm glad you're on. And, uh, yeah, you know, you, I'm, first of all, good for Zach. Uh, you know, if the reports are correct, which I, I couldn't imagine why they wouldn't be, I'm glad uh, it, it is what it is. And I, I agree with you. Just take your time. There's no timetable. You do not put this guy back on the field because he's the future of the organization. When the Jets feel he's ready to play, they'll, they'll make the switch depending on what happens. But sometimes curveballs could change things. But, you know, I, I just want to change directions a little. So much mm-hmm. has been talked about, which, which rightfully so, with Zach Wilson and the offense and the tight ends and the skill position players. I think a lot of people are selling the defense short. You know, they, they have, to me, you know they overhauled the secondary. I think they, the front, I think they're going to get after the quarterback. If the linebackers show they could stop the run, I think this defense has the makings of being a really, really good defense. And I think Salah finally has the pieces in place. You know, if they, if, if, whatever type of schemes he uses, if he does like a Rex Ryan with, you know, where they use Gardner at some point where he could shut down half the field, I think this defense could possibly be like maybe a top 10, 15 defense in the league. I have high hopes for this defense, too, Ira, and I thank you for the phone call. A lot of it is going to be predicated on that defensive line. Um, Certainly having Lawson back, that's huge. You know, everybody's excited about Sauce Gardner being a first-round pick and what he could do to that secondary. Um, Carl Lawson, thats he's a potential game wrecker for them on that defensive line. And, you know, he's had his moments at camp. I mean, he's, to be quite honest with you, he's feasting on the backup tackles that have been in there for the last few days because now no Becton. And, um, you know, today he's going up against the rookie Max Mitchell, who they had at left tackle getting some reps. And, you know, Lawson ain't him alive, as you would expect. But I was talking to Jeff Volbrick a little bit um, today. And, and, you know, we were talking about the fan. They say, well, you know, second year in the system, right? You would think that the guys that are coming back, they should – you know, have a little bit better of an idea of, you know, what they're being asked to do out on the field because it's not as new to them. And he said, yeah, to a certain extent, but then he also pointed out the fact that, yeah, they have a lot of turnover in the secondary, though, right? There's only, like, one guy who's back from last year. 
And that's pretty much like Michael Carter, the nickelback. Everybody else is new, right? DJ Reed is new. Sauce Gardner's new. LaMarcus Joyner really didn't play much last year. Jordan Whitehead signed as a free agent. So they're trying to incorporate a whole new secondary, and I think that takes some time a little bit. And that's why they still got a lot of work to do between now and September the 11th when they kick off this season against the Baltimore Ravens. A lot of work to do. 800-919-3776. We'll get Robert Sala's thoughts on his quarterback situation. And we'll also hear from the newest Jet, Dwayne Brown. He spoke today with reporters out of training camp. They're bringing him along slowly as he's still getting back into shape after not being signed up until a couple of days ago. And, oh, by the way, development's happening down in Atlanta. You know that injury bug we were talking about with the Mets? Well, guess what? Another one just bit, apparently. Stan Grasso with you. It's Tuesday, 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. All of a sudden, Taiwan Walker's not in the game anymore. Uh, two innings, he's out, just like Carlos Carrasco the night before. He went to go cover first base on a ground ball, and as he like applied the uh, the put out there on the bag, it looks like you know, something with the back, lower back or something. So R.J. Alvarez came in, whoever the hell he is. You know, that's the other thing now that's driving me crazy. The Mets are calling these guys up. You have no idea who they are. Best laid plans, as the old saying goes. Um, he pr- he goes ahead and gives up a home run to uh, Robbie Grossman. So the Braves have a one nothing lead there. Over the New York Mets in the third inning. Not what you want, as a wise man once said. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Before we get back to the phone calls, Talking about the quarterback situation again, you know, you got Zach whenever he's ready. You got Joe Flacco, Mike White. How does Robert Sala classify his team's quarterback situation right now? You know, I I said it way back, I think either OTAs or uh, earlier in training camp, that we feel like we have three starting quarterbacks. And uh, Mike has gone out and proven that he can beat a really good defense. He threw for over 400 yards. He's even in that Thursday night game a couple weeks or a couple days later, he threw a a shot to Elijah Moore to, to tie the game up. He just... He had to leave with the injury. So we got all the faith in the world in Mike White, got all the faith in the world in uh, Joe Flacco, and then you got Strebler showing that he can ball too. So really like our quarterback room. By the way, here's a little promo for you. Chris Strebler going to be a guest of the pregame show coming up on Monday night, which coverage beginning at 7 o'clock right here on 98.7. Greg Buttle and myself. Jets, Falcons out there at MetLife Stadium. A little national TV preseason tilt on the worldwide leader. Dig in for that. Clear out your schedules. Uh, yeah, talk to Chris Strevler today, one-on-one, really engaging dude, and he's got a hell of a story just getting to this point. And, you know, if that's the only time he's going to step on an NFL field or at least for the New York Jets, you know, although now with Wilson down, he might get some play in uh, the next couple of preseason games. But, you know, he engineered two scoring drives in the fourth quarter, two touchdown passes, game winner. That's a lot more than a lot of quarterbacks say that they accomplished in the National Football League. And the dude's had a, a wild ride over the last few years just to get to this point. So uh, glad we had a chance to talk to him. And uh, you'll hear that coming up on Monday in the pregame show. Dwayne Brown was out at camp today. Um, met the media. Big dude. You know, he, he certainly fits the part of a left tackle, as you would expect. But Dwayne met the media. First comments as a Jet officially. And among other things, he was asked, well, Dwayne, you had options, right? You're a decorated Pro Bowl lineman. You've had a really, really good career. Why did you choose the Jets? I think the Jets have a lot of young talent, uh, a lot of potential. 
Uh, myself and Coach Sala worked together in Houston early in my career, early in our careers. And I just, you know, watched him, you know, in San Francisco when I was in Seattle and always had a lot of respect for him. And, you know, when he came here, a lot of guys on the team just talked about how how great he was, you know what I mean, and how much, how hard they wanted to play for him. Uh, so I like the culture he was building. So Dwayne Brown comes in, he's going to play left tackle, and that means his old buddy, George Fant, remember they were teammates in Seattle for a number of years. George, who was working on the left side pretty much all offseason, all last year when Becton wasn't around. George gets to kick over back to the right side. So how does he feel about being another bookend of George Fant's? George and I are great friends. You know what I mean? We've been friends since we played together in Seattle, and we've always talked regularly since he's been here, you know, and we've been in communication throughout this process, you know what I'm saying? And, and my thing, I have all the respect in the world for him. He's a great player. He has a mutual respect for myself as well. Um, you know, I think just the situation, the way it's played out, you know, it's not easy for anybody, you know what I mean? But he's handling it greatly, you know, and I, I'm, I'm grateful for it. Said that it hasn't been a, that awkward for us. We're on great terms, you know, we're, not, we're friends before anything. So um, we, we realize the way, the way our line is set up right now, we had the potential to be a really good one, and he's embraced it. So I'm, I'm grateful for it. I'm not as concerned about Dwayne Brown getting ready for the start of the season. Now, look, you know he's not going to play in the preseason. There, there's no point. That will be useless. But he'll be okay for week one. Fant will be ready for week one. And I really don't have much concerns about the interior of that offensive line. I think they've got a couple of real solid guards in Lakin Tomlinson and Elijah Vera Tucker. McGovern, uh, now that he's healthy, they're more than satisfied with his play and with the way that uh, he contributed last year at the center position. I think the offensive line will be okay. The question is, which quarterback are those five guys going to be blocking for primarily once this thing gets going for real? 800-919-3776. David in Summit is up next here on 98.7 ESPN. David, how are you? Hey, how are you today? Hey, Dave, what's going on? Um, good. By the way, good luck on your new um, opportunity here. I hope it goes great. Um, Thank you, sir. You know, I, I heard Rob Salad today talking about he has three starting quarterbacks. Um, there's an old saying, if you have three starting quarterbacks, you don't have a starting quarterback. That's true. I understand you're trying to be politically correct. Joe Flacco's best years are far behind him. Mike White's never done anything except for a couple of cup of coffee, and Zach, you know, and Zach, well, Zach, we have no idea what Zach is. The reality is, if I'm Rob Sala, I don't know who my quarterback is, and I don't blame him for that. That's what he was handed by the GM, but I don't know that the Jets have a quarterback on the roster again. Your thoughts? I've seen worse, be quite honest with you, and Dave, yeah. thanks for the phone call. Yeah. I, I, I've, I've seen worse, like, like, I mean, you go around the NFL, there's a lot of teams with worse quarterback situations. I mean, the Seattle Seahawks, for, for I just saw their name pop up because Drew Locke has COVID, thoughts and prayers. Uh, so he's not going to play on Thursday in their next preseason game. Geno Smith's going to win that job, believe it or not. Geno strikes again, you know, nine lives of Geno. He'll probably be the week one starter for them. I mean, Seattle's quarterback situation is terrible. Jets have a better quarterback room than them. Um, I think the Jets have a better quarterback room than the Dolphins do if you just want to keep it in the division. You know, I think the Jets' quarterback room is better than the Giants, to be honest. Right? I think we've seen enough of Daniel Jones. I think we know what he is. You're right. Flacco's best days are behind him, but is Flacco still capable in a pinch to win you a couple of games? Yeah, I think so. Mike White, yeah, I I, I know. I, I think Mike White kind of maybe exposed himself a little bit in that Buffalo game last year. 
right? A couple of weeks after the whole coming out party against Cincinnati on Halloween. He played Buffalo, and it was a afternoon he'd like to forget. But Buffalo's really, really good. Bills are going to make a lot of teams look foolish. Or Buffalo's going to make a lot of quarterbacks look foolish. And Zach is the great unknown. You know, Zach played well down the stretch last year, but now you want to see him run with that and get better. Now you want to see him utilize these weapons and the increased personnel that the team brought in in the offseason and put those guys to use. Remember, they drafted Zach Wilson with the second overall pick in the draft. He was handpicked. Handpicked. Because they thought he was the guy that can lead this team to greater heights. And you could talk about developing a quarterback and bringing him along slowly and not putting too much on his plate and whatever freaking cliche you want to use. But you know what the reality is? You know what the harsh, grim truth is, boys and girls? Is that if you take a guy with the second overall pick in the draft, eventually there's going to come a point where the training wheels are going to have to come off. And you're not going to be able to hold his hand. And you're not going to be able to scale things down. And you shouldn't. You take him second overall, it's because you think that he is the goods and that that is the guy that should put a team on his shoulders and win games with his arm, not manage a game, not be an ass, not to do too much and those type of things. It's follow my lead. Is he ready to do that in year number two? I don't think so. Will he be ready to do that at some point in year number two? The Jets and Jet fans will be happy as hell if that happens at some point. But you know what? You got to get on the field to be able to start doing some of these things. And at least for the beginning of the season, Zach Wilson's going to be on the sidelines. 800-919-3776. That's the telephone number. So that's the Jets quarterback situation. What in the you-know-what is going on over in East Rutherford with the Giants quarterback situation? I mean, we thought that Daniel Jones was the guy, right? It's all Daniel Jones. So why is Tyrod Taylor getting a little bit longer look in practice these days? We'll dive into what Brian Dayball and company have to say about their quarterback situation in advance of preseason game number two. Stan Grasso with you till 10 right here, 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. one nothing Bravos over the Mets. Still waiting for official word on Taiwan Walker. Actually make that 2 uh, 3 nothing. Uh, because Matt Olson just hit one, I believe, to South Carolina off of the immortal R.J. Alvarez. Boy, I mean, these Met wheels are falling off the train in a hurry. Are they not? Good Lord. And the Yankees have scored a run, so, I mean, that's progress. It was on an error, but it's a run. It's something. You know, it's like you get, you get some gray that you could take home and show your parents. It's It's something. So things ain't going good for the baseball teams, you know, and, and we're sitting here hoping that the football teams are going to at least give us something when September rolls around. Oh, boy. Baseball teams will be fine, though, I think. I hope. And lastly, you know, on Zach Wilson, I'll, I'll tell you this. Jet fans, football fans, just brace yourself. You're getting a taste of it already. Zach Wilson is going to be the quote-unquote whipping boy for the national media when it comes to things that can go wrong, doubt, questions, bust, all of those things. You're going to get a healthy dose of Zach Wilson is overrated, Zach Wilson is no good, you can bank on it. And now it's up to him, it's up to the Jets to go out there and prove people wrong. 
but he's got to get healthy first. As far as the Giants are concerned, look, you know it's Daniel Jones, right? He's the guy. And it's an evaluation season for him. If Daniel Jones wants to have a fifth season as the Giant quarterback, he's going to have to play good this year. Because let's face it, what are the options for the Giants at the end of the season? If you're Dable and Joe Shane. I asked so many people last week and asked so many different ways. You know, Mike Tannenbaum and I were filling in for the K-Show all week. Mike Tannenbaum's a former GM, decorated GM in the National Football League. And I asked him point blank, off the air, on the air. I said, be honest with me, level, right? Is that a myth that a GM wants his own guy, that a head coach wants his own guy at the quarterback position? Like, you don't want to inherit anybody, do you? It's like the redheaded stepchild. You don't want somebody else's quarterback. You want your own guy. Because you could always say, he's mine. And he said, no, that's not the case. You want the guy who's going to win. You want the guy that's going to keep you employed. Because if you win games, you're going to stick around in that job a little while longer. So if Daniel Jones merits a fifth season, because the Giants already declined the option, and good for them, that was smart. That's smart business. You got a couple of options. Number one, you got to franchise him. You really want to do that? You want to pay him a boatload of money or be on the hook for a boatload of money for one season of Daniel Jones next year? I mean, I guess you can. Or are you going to sign him to a contract extension? And then what type of money are you going to be roped into there? You hope the best case scenario for the Giants, the best problem to have, is if Daniel Jones goes out there and plays really, 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 really well. Because that's going to make the Giants' decision easy. That they're sticking him around, and he is going to be the quarterback. So why is Tyrod Taylor getting first-team reps in practice? You would think that yeah, Daniel Jones going needs. Here in, in... You would think that Daniel Jones needs all the help that he get, right? I mean, he's learning a new system. He's trying to get familiar with the concepts and the verbiage in this offense that Brian Dable and company are are implementing here. So why are we doing this? Why? I mean, Tyrod Taylor, he's a journeyman. He's capable, but he's a journeyman. He's not the long-term answer. He's an insurance policy. So Brian Dayball was asked today, as a matter of fact, Tyrod Taylor, is he going to get first-team reps or what? Yeah, as we get going here in, in terms of the preseason games, you know, we'll talk about whatever we think is best. But you know, I have full confidence in Daniel and, and full confidence in Tyrod and what his role is. Each day we'll, we sit there and we evaluate the guys, but will he get a few reps here or there? He might. Okay. I mean, he left the door open there a little bit. All right, and let's say that we get to that eventuality. If Tyrod Taylor ends up getting first-team reps, is that some sort of an indictment, perhaps, on Daniel Jones? Absolutely not, no. I mean, I learned from a pretty good coach a while ago. You know, usually he doesn't tell those guys when he throws them in because that's what the backup's job role is, is you have to go in in a split second and not, like, you know, you prepare like you're a starter, but, you know, fourth play of the game, something happens, you're in, you got to be ready to go. So, you know... I don't necessarily think we'll tell tell those guys when that'll happen. Look, I know it's a slippery slope here because Giants are all trying to get on the same page with this new offense, right? That's what Brian Dayball wants. He wants everybody clicking on all cylinders come Tennessee in week one because this is all new. And your practice time, your workout time, your coaching time, your instructing time, that's been curtailed mightily over the years in the NFL because you don't get – access to the players as much as you used to once upon a time 
you know, the CBA, the Players Association, they made sure that they have a life away from football. So the coaching and all the learning and those type of things, that's not what it used to be. And I know that the preseason, look, preseason's a necessary evil. And I'm somebody that, you know, is part of a broadcast team for an NFL team, which means I got to sit through preseason games. Preseason games that we air on our air. And I don't don't look forward to the fact that when you sit down and you watch one of these preseason games that more often than not there's guys out on the field that you're not going to see on Sundays once the games count for real. That's a tough watch. You know, the coaches like it because they're in evaluation mode, but for you, for me, fans, what it's tedious at times. But be prepared not to see a lot of Daniel Jones in the next game for the New York Giants, even though he's trying to learn a new offense. Zach Taylor, who's the coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, that's who the Giants are playing on Sunday night, he's already come out and said, my starters aren't playing next game. Because why should they? As much as I want to see the regular players out there, it makes no sense in the world to risk an injury to an important member of your team in an exhibition game. I mean, think about what happened to the Jets last week. They dodged a bullet. They had best-case scenario that Zach Wilson's at least coming back. Others aren't going to be as fortunate if that happens. I know they need the work. I know they need the seasoning. But do that out on the practice field. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Subi, Midtown, up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Subi, what's going on? Hey, man, this uh, calls about, like, the coaching philosophy, even the team philosophy of both teams. They drafted mm-hmm. quarterbacks quite high. I'm just wondering, what's the level of drop-off between, like, a Joe Flacco and a Zach Wilson, like, in terms of their even two years down the road? I mean, Zach Wilson, does he have the potential to be what Joe Flacco was with the Ravens? I mean, he, Flacco was a great quarterback. And even with Daniel Jones, you're seeing what the Steelers are doing. They're picking up quarterbacks who have – spend a couple of years in the NFL and then drafting a guy later on. Would, would, would that have been the better philosophy, getting a veteran quarterback just to maintain and not turn over the ball, just like uh, good teams in the past have done? That's all well, I isn't that, isn't that what you, but, but, Subi, isn't that what Joe Flacco is? Right? He's a veteran quarterback with a little bit of a history. I mean, the guy was a Super Bowl MVP. I think having Joe Flacco around as a little bit of insurance is great. Seriously. But Joe Flacco's not the guy you want playing 17 games. Same thing with Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor's great to have around. Just don't need to, you know, don't give him a quarter zone shot in the locker room if you're the Chargers, then he's good to go. In a pinch, Taylor, Flacco, not guys you want playing 17 games. One or two, okay. Look, I'll be honest with you. We're friends here. You know, we're we're with each other every single night. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pull any punches. I'm not gonna hold back from you. I'll tell you exactly what I think. As far as the Giants are concerned, I'll say it now. I'm gonna say it probably a ton all throughout the football season. I still think that the Giants week one quarterback in the twenty twenty three season is not currently on their roster right now. No knock on Tyrod Taylor. No knock on Daniel Jones. No knock on Davis Webb. He's out there. He's somewhere. And he's not in East Rutherford, New Jersey, and he's not in Giant Camp right now. I can promise you that. But, I mean, the drop-off, like, for example, you know, 
It's like apples and oranges, right? Zach Wilson di has a different skill set than Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco is kind of like an old-school, last-of-a-dying-breed type quarterback. He was your prototypical pocket passer, a guy who drops back 6'5", you know, not very mobile whatsoever, but can sling it around the yard because he's got a good arm. Zach Wilson, yeah, he's got a good arm, but he ain't 6'5", and he's got mobility. And he likes to break the pocket. And he likes to make plays with his legs and that type of thing. Unfortunately, sometimes it can be a detriment, like what happened the other night. But cut from a different cloth. You know, and Daniel Jones, you got to be more protective of the football. That's first and foremost. You think that Brian Dayball, as a new head coach, trying to evaluate if, if Daniel Jones is going to be his quarterback for the future, the foreseeable future, he's going to tolerate a guy who turns it over? And, I mean, especially if you really want to get down to the nitty-gritty, look at Daniel Jones in the red zone. That has got to be a major, major if, – if Daniel Jones even wants to think about getting a seat at the table for Brian Dayball in this offense, he's got to be better in the red zone. Clean up those mistakes because you got to come away with some points every time you enter that realm in the National Football League. I don't care who you are, whether it's six, whether it's seven, whether it's eight, whether it's three. Get some points. You can't be turning the damn ball over. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Now, we come back. The Knicks and Jazz actually found each other's numbers again. And they began having conversations. Are we any closer to Donovan Mitchell coming back home to New York? Bing bong! We'll get into that. Plus, Jerry Carino of the Asbury Park Press, the dean of New Jersey College Hoops writers on the life and times of the legendary Pete Carrill who passed away yesterday, coming up at 9.15. It's Dan Grasso with you. It's Dan Grasso's show, 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. We have an official update on the status of one Taiwan Walker who had to depart after two winnings tonight for the New York Mets. Back spasms, as we kind of thought, but it doesn't make it any better. Uh, you hope that he could kick it, hope that he's going to be good to, uh, good to go in five days because they need him. And it also doesn't change the fact that the Mets are in a 3 nothing hole in the fifth inning and are going to have to piece this thing together courtesy of the bullpen. You know, when you got to call upon R.J. Alvarez, to pitch for you, who hasn't been in a big league game in like six, seven years. I mean, that's 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 not the way you map out a series against the defending champs and the team that is chasing you in the division. So now if you want to go ahead and almost make this game a wash, it's like, okay, now you're down two love in the series, and now you best win the Scherzer and DeGrom games. And I said, you settle for a split if you're the Mets, but now you did it the hard way. Because now you really need those two guys to come through. I mean, look at what happened on Friday night against Philadelphia last week with Scherzer. Scherzer was outstanding, only gave up one run, and the Mets still lost the game because they couldn't hit. They lost the extras to Philadelphia. And the Yankees still can't score any runs. They're losing 3-1 against Tampa Bay. That one in the sixth inning out there in the Bronx. So tomorrow, by the way, at 3 o'clock, I want to say, 3 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, we're going to get the NBA schedule in its entirety. So the NBA finally decided the powers that be, their television partners, I'm sure had a hand in it, that, yeah, okay, we'll, you know, let everything else slide. August 17th is good because you know what happened. They were probably waiting around to see what was going to happen with Brooklyn. 
them more so than any other team probably in the NBA, waiting to see if the Nets were going to move Kevin Durant. Because if KD's not on the Nets, are they going to get as many national TV appearances? Like, why should they? And then they're going to factor that into whatever team he gets traded to, that, okay, maybe we need to put them on national TV more. So they were waiting. And they were trying to drag this thing out as long as possible as to how it was going to be. So tomorrow we get all of our answers, and then hopefully it's for the better. And, you know, we'll see where the Knicks are playing. We'll see where the Nets are playing. We do know the Christmas Day games. We'll get into those coming up in just a little bit here. But more importantly, Knicks are playing on Christmas against Philadelphia, according to multiple reports. Who's going to be wearing a Nick uniform again? You know, is Donovan Mitchell going to be wearing a Nick uniform on Christmas Day? Or is he still going to be wearing a Utah Jazz uniform? I don't think Utah's playing on Christmas. They're not a big-time draw anymore because Rudy Gobert is playing, of course, in Minnesota. I don't believe they are. Where's that uh, schedule that I had here? Christmas, Christmas. Uh, blah, 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 blah. No, Utah's off. They're not that game anymore. But Knicks and Jazz, according to our pal Shams in The Athletic, they re-engage conversation. You know, maybe it was just kind of like a how's your summer going? Haven't talked to you in a while. Hope all is well. You know, just want to see what you're up to. Did you go on any trips? Did you do anything fun? You know, just catching up with friends type stuff. Or do you think there's actually substance there? The Wizards are also said to be talking to Utah. They would love to get their hands on Donovan Mitchell. Same thing with the Charlotte Hornets. You know, Michael Jordan picking up the phone. And calling Danny Ainge and saying, remember when I used to beat your butt on the court? How about, you know, uh, we talk turkey a little bit and think about sending Donovan my way. Be nice if Jordan won something as an executive. Getting to Donovan Mitchell would help. But we only care about the Knicks side of things, right? And I'm all for the move. I mean, we've been talking about this, it seems like, what, a month, a month and a half ago? When the rumors started, when the reports began that they were talking to one another? I think it makes all the sense in the world. How could it not? But then you have to ask yourself again, what's the price? And, and that was always like the stumbling block earlier. You know, if these reports are true that the Utah Jazz want like four or five first-round picks, plus all these young, controllable players, you know, at some point you have to kind of draw the line, don't you? You can't just leave the front door of the house open and let Danny Ainge and the Jazz just walk in and take whatever the hell they want. I mean, that's not the way this thing is supposed to work. You know, you are building a team. You're supposed to be building a winner. And, yes, one guy can make all the difference in the world because it's basketball. Is Donovan Mitchell that guy? I, 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 I don't think so, right? That's why we were carrying on about Jalen Brunson when the Knicks signed him and moved heaven and earth and gave him all the money. Okay, that's great, but he's a piece. He's not the difference maker. He's not the guy you build a championship team around. And I believe Donovan Mitchell to be the same. But could Donovan Mitchell be a very important piece alongside guys like Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett, who supposedly Utah wants no part of because you know eventually R.J. is going to have to get paid and paid big money. That's a core that I'd like to see play for 82 games. That's a core that I think could actually have some fun in the Eastern Conference. And the Eastern Conference is tough, by the way. You know, you got some good teams. But is it going to produce anything? Uh, look, I would be shocked if when we're sitting here on October, whatever day the opening night is in the NBA, if Donovan Mitchell's wearing a Nick uniform. I, I, I just can't see it happening. I think that this is something that probably, if it does go down, might be one of those, like, mid-season trades. 
because I want like Donovan Mitchell to actually play a few months in Utah and see how miserable it is there. You know, they already traded away Royce O'Neal. They traded away Rudy Gobert. You know, he's going to be basically like the lone wolf out there. Being non-competitive in the Western Conference. I think about those like awful, miserable Western Conference road trips you got to go on and play in some of them dank cities and those dank arenas when you're basically just an all-silver. You know, when you got to go out to Portland, when you got to go to Sacramento. And I know Sacramento's a new arena, but still, they're not any good. You know, that's going to take its toll on you. And then he's going to talk to his family back in New York, and he's going to see all these splashy things that the Mets are doing in the offseason and Steve Cohen spending money. And, you know, they re-signed Jacob DeGrom to a $200 million four-year contract, and he's going to say, damn, I wish I was home. But it takes two to tango, doesn't it? Robbie in Massachusetts. He's up next right here on the Dan Grosser Show, 98.7 ESPN. Rob, how are you? Dan, well, I'm not doing I'm okay. You know, I do a ro- local radio program up there. I own my rant, but I wanted to ask you something specifically yeah. about. Are you telling last last night? I mentioned you mentioned something. Nice job, Rizzo. Another ground out. Anyway, um, <laughs> just, <laughs> boy, this is a fun team to watch. We have one run in the last 24 innings, Dan. We're so excited! It's oh my unbelievable. god, it's like watching the Bad News Bears. I have to tell you something, okay? Just to show you what a moron Aaron Boone is. Okay, here's here's what the here's what this genius does. Okay. Now, Benintendi, I know he's not batting too well, but tonight he's got two hits. Either bat him ninth or bat him first. One or the other. Because batting him six makes no sense. But it's better. It's better now. And this is what Brian Cashman brings you in for $230 million. It's better to have Maury Gonzalez, two for his last 32, hitting 214 in the ninth spot, followed by Glaber Torres leading off, who in the last... What? 17 games is hitting like a buck 50, and then we got Judge coming up by himself again. I mean, Aaron Boone, I can't take it anymore. It's not all his fault. I know we got injuries, but could you please, Brian Cashman, you're not telling me that Esteban Florio is better than 2 for 32 putting Marlon Gonzalez in right field? I mean, this is what we have for $230 million? I mean, can anybody tell me what's great about Brian Cashman who can't build any kind of farm system? This guy is the only guy in professional well, no, Rob, baseball. Rob, 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 wait, 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 you explained got... it last night. Yep. No, Rob, think explain... about it. Yep. You got guys in the farm system. They just don't want to yep. call them up yet. And you explained to me that last night about all these different things about bringing them up and all this like issues with, you know, with the uh, guys you can, you know, option and so forth. But I mean, Tan, this team needs an enema. I've never seen anything like it in my life. It's like watching nine guys get up who don't know what's going on in front of them or behind them. But why is Ben Teddy batting six? I would love a reporter to stand there in front of Aaron Buffoon and ask him why in the world, why are you taking a speed guy, literally one of the only speed guys you have in this lineup, and batting him six? How does that make any sense whatsoever? Robbie, when Robbie, you, Robbie, when you hang in there, my friend. Run. I got to yeah, run. I will. I will, brother. I'll talk you got to you. I'll Great talk show. to you tomorrow. Good stuff from you, and see if the Yankees come back here. Bottom line, I'll reiterate what I said at the beginning of the show. I know the Yankees are injured. I know that they're missing some key guys. I ran through the six names in the top of that lineup tonight. Those are guys that have done it before at some point in their careers. How about they look themselves in the mirror and actually realize, hey, you know what? We're capable of producing and getting stuff done. This is laughable right now what this group is doing. I can't blame it all on the manager. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>